Welcome to the Laws of Wellness, brought to you by Zaparis Lawyers. Here are your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to the Laws of Wellness, proudly brought to you by Zaparis Lawyers. Marcus Pierce here with you, and as always, I am joined by the great Dr. Damien Christoph, my brother from another mother. How are you, Damo? Great, PC. Great, PC. Great to be joined with you again. Hey, and uh, when you talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we talk about food and nutrition, love and cuddles and, you know, shelter and all that sort of stuff. And one of the things that we need to be talking about when it comes to wellness is finance. You know, where do you sit on the hierarchy, Maslow's hierarchy of needs? And PC, you do this so well. So I'm looking forward to hearing your wisdom today. It's going to be unbelievable. Well, no pressure, but we hope everyone enjoys this episode of The Laws of Wellness because it's incredibly important living in a wealthy nation like Australia, um, living in a country like Australia that has uh, an, a massive longevity issue in that it's a great thing that we live for so long, but it also means there is a financial component to it. So enjoy this conversation on financial wellness on The Laws of Wellness. Damo, it's almost a taboo topic in Australia, and that is talking about money. But on this episode, we want to talk about what a lot of people do not talk about. That's money. That's creating wealth. It's does money create happiness. It's all of the big decisions that a lot of people almost make privately. They don't want to talk about them publicly, but we're going to Open the lid of Pandora's money box today. Lifting the lid, lifting the lid, Piercy. You're an expert in this space, and I love it because it's uh, – well, you are because, you know, it talks to the values of your exceptional life, and it's the book that you wrote. And uh, and when you coach people and you take people through this process, it makes it easier for people to kind of understand, you know, what their limits are, what they, you know, want to look for, where they want to be, Um yeah, it's all, it's life by design, like you said when we we're just before we started recording. You, you called it that, and that is exactly what we need to be talking about. Well, I think I'm like many people. I would never, and 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 we're not going to do one of those things where we say we are not financial experts, but it's going to become pretty clear that we are sharing our experiences here today. We're not sharing advice. We're only going to share about our own experiences. But I think I'm not alone in saying that. You know, I've had. Um, some challenging times over the years of of bad debt is what we would probably call it. Thankfully, I learned those lessons the hard way. It took many times of making the same mistake over and over again. Um, but you know, you and I have spoken quite openly, uh, you know, publicly and privately over the years of just how living in a wealthy nation that Australia is affords us great opportunities, but it does also afford us great challenges in learning how to navigate how to actually live in a world where there is choices galore. There is a, it's an assault on the senses on how you spend your money. Everyone's trying to lend you money. Um, And many people get into their twenties, thirties, maybe even forties and fifties and still go, where did all the money go? And how am I at this phase of my life? And I still owe money rather than have money. It's an interesting conversation when you think of how wealthy a country it is that we live in. Yeah, absolutely, PC. So I wonder where to start here. Do we do we go down the path of almost the emotional wealth around happiness? Because 
again, coming from Australia, I haven't been to places like Nepal and India and other countries where I suppose we associate the simplicity of life, but how happy they are. When I was growing up, it was like, eat your dinner because there's people in Africa that don't have any money and they're happier they're than you are right now around a dining, yeah. you know, around a dining yeah. table. Yeah. Um, but that conversation yeah. of, a, of a living a simple life um, and being able to create happiness, so many people are looking to, if I can just earn more money, then I'll be happy. Um, yeah. And in Australia, I get torn about this because when I look at when I look at the pension, that is literally saving up for what is relative poverty. And relative poverty in any country is living under fifty percent of the median income. And and the the pension in Australia is under fifty percent of the median income. So right. we don't want the pension. That's not going to give us the choices to spend time with our grandkids or our children or you know buy a new car or go on a holiday. But then at the same time, um, and we've spoken about this before, if you're working big hours and you're, you've got school fees to pay or you just want a cleaner in your house for a couple of hours a week or, you know, dare I say it, Damo, a gardener to look after your lawns and your garden bed for a couple of hours a week. Like you Shout also out want to, to, <laughs> to our dear friend Lawrence Tam who doesn't like <laughs> gardening. Um, you also <laughs> want to be able to spend money on activities in life that just don't bring you the same level of joy so what do you have to say you you know you got seven years on me what do you have to say about this complicated relationship we sometimes might have around the the um creating wealth earning income but then spending it in a way that brings joy to our lives oh it's such a it's such a fascinating thing and i think that what a lot of people do is they leave it till a little bit too late in their life to kind of get things under control but one of the things that i think is really important is to um you know i suppose like a lot of business leaders uh, and people who've written great books you know they would write and and discuss starting with the end in mind and so it's kind of you know you always reset your goals and you're always going to have a look at what your friends have got and compare as to what you've got and the, the have haves and the have, have nots. Yeah, the do's and the do nots and all that sort of stuff, you know, like that's always going to happen. But to kind of be clear on what it is that you feel like or think that you're going to need earlier in your career and earlier in your life is really important. So let's say, for example, you work out that you need a million dollars in your superannuation fund when you're going to retire. Let's just say it's that. Then at age 20, you're already, you know, in your first job, most likely. At that point in time, you want to receive some kind of advice as to how you're going to reach that target. Um, and you want to start to be trying to achieve that. Now, it's highly likely that you'll find that ridiculously easy, that at the age of 20, you're going to end up with a million dollars in your superannuation or whatever it is. That should be absolutely basic if you just follow the guidelines, you know, just by putting in your percentage, your 27,000, like eventually you're going to get to that point because that's what superannuation is designed to do. It's designed to support you. But if you feel like you're going to need more than that along the way, then you're obviously making more contributions and then you might need to go and get extra jobs or find other ways in which you can earn more money. Um, but there's going to be a trade-off between how much you can save and then how much you can earn and then how much you want to spend. Um, 
and I think it was Elon Musk actually said the other day, it's easier to earn $10,000 than to save $10,000. And uh, and he's kind of right. You know, it's much easier to go and earn an extra $200 a week mm. than to try and save $200 a week, you know, from the income that you're already, you know. Oh, absolutely. Making. So yeah. think about that and think about income and wealth creation from the perspective of, you know, where do I want to get to? Because the reality is it's upon you very, very quickly. And you can muck around with things. You can buy all your nice, you know, clothes and take lots of holidays and do all those sorts of things. But without, you know, a significant and serious plan, it can be a little bit of a hustle um, towards the end of your working life. Mm. And I think what you're saying is, you know, we just use a, in that example, a, the number of a, of a million dollars in super, but it's the importance of knowing your number whatever that number is. And I think what you were referencing earlier is not comparing it to, you know, the number of your friends or your family or society or whatever to actually, this comes down to the life design decisions that we make in life around, well, where do I want to live? Do I want to be an employee or do I want to own a business? And that might change over the years. Um, uh, and then it comes down to, well, how many children do you have and what type of lifestyle do they have and what type of lifestyle do you have and how is it that you want to live? And that is that that has to be a personal decision that um, we must recognize is ours to make. But sadly, so many people are making those decisions with the influence either of either the mass media or people that are not them. Um, and that's where I feel like money has become and wealth creation has become a real taboo conversation because everyone talks about it in the guise of someone else, as in they said, you know, I, I yeah. should. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and just like, you know, we've spoken on other. That's, the right, that's the right and wrong thing though, isn't it? Like that's, I don't want to be right. I don't want to be wrong. But it's that's to do with everything, you know. Like so anything we spoke that's- about it with gut health recently. Like it's yes. such a personal thing. Yeah. It's a yeah. personal thing. And, but also to the extent that no one wants to be seen to have made the wrong decision. So they'll mm-hmm. defend it to the death. So anything that's taboo to talk about, whether it's related to health, politics, relationships, or religion, yeah. no one wants to be wrong. And so um, they're not going to talk about those sorts of things. Mm. It's interesting. And then, um, you know, another thing that you and I talk about, you know, often is just understanding your tolerance levels around your relationship with money. I know in our family, you know, I grew up heavily in a spending culture. My mum, God love her, um, is a great spender. She grew up in a really wealthy family <laughs> and I have seen a lot of spending in my years and I will put my hand on my heart and go, I love a good spend. Like, but I've married a great saver. Mm-hmm. Like I have married a great saver. So, you know, understanding your tolerance of, I can justify anything, but also I can also talk to Sarah and go, right, like I listen to her point of view and often, often (laughs) Sarah is way on the money, way on the money. More often than not. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's understanding your tolerance, but it's probably also understanding your, in many ways, I think when I'm speaking to clients around this, it's understanding your upbringing and being at peace with, how you were raised, and then if you know that that is not how you want um, the rest of your uh, financial behavior to be, then then go go ahead and do it. Because I have these conversations with people all the time. It's like, well, uh, particularly older older people that have 
actually earned the right to spend a lot of money in their life, but yeah. they are still so frugal. As soon as they go from earning income to living off their assets, they almost live as if they're homeless because they don't have a paycheck coming in. And yeah. if they've got assets, they don't want to spend any of the, um, not just the interest that those assets or the dividends that those ent- uh, assets might provide, but they just get nervous because they're not used to earning an income from something that they've already built and created over the years. And so you can recognize the differences in behavior and tolerance levels. It's a lot easier for people to spend money that they earn as in an income rather than spend money um, from wealth that they've generated through investing over the years. And that's something that I think a lot of people um, want to really identify how they behave around that too. I think you're right there, PC. But the other thing to consider here is that that's a fear tolerance too. So yeah. it's an unknown as to when we're going to die. Um, and the the number one fear that I think a lot of people have got is to find themselves with zero money and 100 depend, 100% dependent on somebody else or the government, right? So yeah. there's a fear associated with spending money when you haven't got income. And it's got to, like, that's a behavioral shift, a behavioral change. And yeah. it's probably a weird thing too to think, okay, well, I'm just going to start depleting my my, my stores um, because I'm going to die at some point. You know, like no one ever thinks they're going to die. Like we think we know we're going to die, but you yeah. don't think it's going to be tomorrow. Well, um, this is this is the interesting what I call the longevity crisis that we have in Australia, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. one of the you know I think yeah. we're the eleventh wealthiest nation and we're eighth on the ladder for longevity. I was talking to a client the other day who has a seven million dollar property, right? <laughs> but so they're asset rich but they would feel themselves cash poor and they have termed their $7 million investment property. It's not even their their primary place of residence and they're too scared to access any of that money because it's they feel like they can't do it yet. They, they feel like they might run out of time if they access it. And this, mm. is, this, is, this is the interesting, and, and this person, it might sound, bizarre and that might there might be someone that has a seven hundred thousand dollar property it doesn't matter the number it's like you just mentioned it's that fear tolerance of when am i going to die particularly when we live in a country now that has such a high tolerance for aging we can keep you alive for so long (laughs) much longer than you want to much longer than you want to and that does become a very real consideration yeah. for people in relation to not just their wealth creation but actually spending the wealth that they've created over the years. So I think it's a really poignant and interesting conversation for people to have. Like we met, opened this episode with people don't talk about it. But even even just you and I talking about this, it, it feels to me like we need to talk about this more often. Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, I also want to just point out that the, you, like, this is a financial discussion here right and so that whatever you ideas you might get from us that could be great but you want to go seek the advice of your accountant and seek the advice of your financial advisor and we're sharing stories we're not sharing advice that's right yeah Yeah. and also like one of the things that both amber and i loved was reading the barefoot investor Mm. you know scotty pape really helped us you know just to kind of get things right so and that worked for us but it may not work for somebody else and so my point being is that you want to seek professional advice in this space but listen to the concepts that we're kind of you know raising here listen to the concerns that you know we might have already had that you might also now have but you know kind of garnish 
Ghana, Ghana, some of the wisdom from Marcus when he's you know talking about this because he deals with people all the time that are facing these challenges. So, you know, think about what your tolerance is, what your risk tolerance is, what your fear tolerance is as well, and what is your number? What's going to make you feel comfortable um, knowing that you've got this much in the bank and if you're taking 5% of that out every single year, um, what does that actually look like um, mm. when the death knell goes? <laughs> uh, when the dash, the, when the dash gets some ink when attached the dash to it, is expired. Yeah, yep. that's it. So you just mentioned Scott Pape and the Barefoot Investor, and I think uh, it is the highest selling book I think in the history of of, of books in Australia. It's a wow. remarkable. Um, I think it might be two million books sold. I listened to an interview with him the other day, and wow. when when he first wrote the Barefoot Investor. The publisher said, this would be great if we sell 20,000 copies. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? But I, it's funny that you mentioned um, Scott Pape because I've literally got my book open right here and it talks about, I've mentioned here, Pape's rough percentages for expenditure of, of average household income is 30% on housing, 5 to 10% on utilities like power, gas, water, internet, and phone. Five to ten percent on transport, five percent on insurances, and five to ten percent on food. So even those, I love that. I mean, I've clearly put that in the book because it's a nice metric that anyone, based on any income level, can really just use as a quick audit. And I feel like Damo, and you know, again, I'd love to draw on your experiences here, but a lot of us were not taught this growing up. So many of us are learning this in our adult lives. There's a very small percentage of the population whose parents were great uh, mentors for wealth creation. But a lot of us have got to learn this in our 20s, 30s, and 40s, maybe even 50s and 60s. Yeah. And so people like Scott Pape have, have taught many Australians to go, well, here's how to look at your, in this example that we've just used, expenditure to see if you're out of balance. And this is mm. part of the conversation, isn't it? Just going, okay, well, where am I now? And as you said earlier, like, where do I want to go? Where do I want to be? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Well, the other, I think what Scott's also done, which I think is really great, um, is he's written a book for kids. And so that at a young age, because, you know, we, we talk about literacy and financial literacy uh, in primary schools and in high schools, it's just absent from the curriculum these days. And so, you know, having somebody like Scott do what he's done, um, and even though that might push some people's buttons, um, it's likely to help a lot more people than it's going to push their buttons. It's it's one way that I think, you know, that you can do it, but uh, it's very effective. But just, again, um, just, again, we, we're sharing stories on here, and, and one of the um, Scott Pape stories is given the incredible financial wealth that he's created, and he's very modest about it, but he actually went and became a financial counsellor. He went back to TAFE. Yeah. It was TAFE. To become a financial counselor, yeah, that he could help low-income earners create more financial stability in their lives. But you know, in his own words, he did it because he'd created the financial wealth to do it to actually to to live off not much of an income. So I also feel like we've spoken about knowing your number, um, but also knowing you. It, it sounds so cliche, but this is really is like knowing your why. Like, why do you want to create wealth? And I don't think you have to know it every step of the way. You don't have to know the big reasons why you want to create wealth for 30, 40 years in advance. But you know, you and I, you and I have both got children. I know you put Jackson through private school. I know our kids go to school. Like 
private schools like it, you, you you look at your children and again whether it's private schools or whether it's expensive hobbies that they may just love that you have nothing to do if your child wants to become an f1 formula one driver get ready to spend some money yeah. <laughs> you know or even if it's you know my wife sarah grew up playing a lot of basketball and netball and a lot all the time and money that uh, her parents spent in traveling around the country to you know finance and, and actually participate in those sports like money as a parent Mm. Um, put wealth creation to one side, but money as a parent, whether it's you want the stability of a mortgage rather than the instability of a, of a rent, or you want to create a future for your children that maybe you didn't have growing up, like knowing your why is a really important part of being at peace with whatever it is you want to either earn and then either invest or do something else with your money down the track. And I mean, you've got to, we won't talk, you know, I know we're going to wrap it up shortly, but you've you've lived a pretty incredible life around that, given your childhood and what you've been able to do in your adult life. Yeah, PC, and I think um, I have, and I'm really lucky um, to have, you know, kind of looked at life with eyes wide open, you know, and fortunately, you know, meeting meeting people in my life that have had success has inspired me to go and have success as well. And so I think, you know, that's important. So I don't know if it was you and LT when you guys are doing the podcast together um, many years ago doing Inside the Champion's Mind. I think you spoke about, you know, you're the average of the, or that you're five people you are. Exactly right. And so you have a choice to, learn from people that you hang out with. And so your behaviours will mirror and mimic those five people that you spend the most time with. Mm. And, um, and and so is your education and so is your lifestyle and so is your, you know, everything will, will mimic those five people. So if you kind of like look at yourself going, oh, gosh, like am I, in the right, am I on the right track, then you might also consider looking at the people that you're with and maybe you all change together or you, you all do the same thing together because you, you, know, you create a book club or something, I don't know. Um, or maybe it is that you start to surround yourself with you know, different influences um, because you can see yourself heading down a particular path. And, you know, and it's, unless something significant happens, to the benefit of you, you're you're probably likely to end up with about the same as what your top five friends have got. Mm, it's a really, really good point to close off with, and that is who are you surrounding yourself with? Absolutely. But like we said at the beginning of this episode, when you surround yourself with people that if you're looking for more um, wealth in your life, the conversations change. You're encouraged to to create success in your financial health as much as you are in your physical health, your emotional health or your family health and so on. And I think that's a massive driver of, of, of creating a great life. And, and for anyone that gets triggered by this, again, we come back to what we said at the beginning of this episode, we live in a wealthy nation. Um, if you want to be poor in a wealthy nation, it's a very, very, very difficult place to be. And yes, you can earn the pension in Australia and live well off that pension in Thailand or Bali, but it's really difficult to do so living on those dollars in Australia. That's what relative poverty is. Um, And so if you don't have a why for your wealth, the only place that you can really end up is in relative poverty. You don't want to retire on the pension uh, having spent 40 plus years um, 
of your heart and soul to actually be in a place where you want to be able to create some freedoms. And so I, I feel like the older I get, Damo, the more I'm like, it really is, Australia is the lucky country. We have a great opportunity uh, to live a great life living where we do. Um, and part of me feels like it's an obligation. Maybe I say that as a parent, but part of me feels like it's an obligation to be a great role model for my children in terms of how to actually not just earn money, but to manage it well. Because having had some of the experiences I've had in my life, I don't want I don't want to pass them on to my kids. <laughs> you know, I don't want them to have to learn the hard way. I'd rather, well, I mean, sometimes that's a really beneficial thing as well, but there are some things you would like your children to get a bit of a shortcut on. Um, yeah, and, like I, and I think, I think in, in my personal situation, I think wealth would be one of them. Yeah, oh, I agree with you, Piercy. I agree with you. It's one of the major stressors. And so if you think about all the major stresses, you know, income, yeah, relationships, yeah, buying a house, selling a house, someone dying, all those sorts of things, finance is such a big deal and it affects us on a daily basis. So you want to kind of get that locked away, sort it out, get onto yeah. it really quickly yeah. um, and, you know, start making good decisions from when you're young. You know, if yeah. you're listening to this podcast, it's highly likely that you've got yourself a job, a good job, so make the most of it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So to close this off, um, under well, many a number of things. No, know your number. So what are you wanting to create in your life? And again, with with wealth creation, it's generally it has to come down to a number. Um, know your tolerance and and know, know where you, know what type of lifestyle you want to live because it's very different living in Bali versus living in Camberwell, as an example. Um, so being able to be aware of that is really important for the life that you want to create. Um, Have your end in mind. Uh, Recognize that there is a longevity crisis in Australia, but also recognize that if you do it well, um, you can have money left at the end of your time. We spoke about the dash just earlier, like you don't want to have to have uh, time left, but no money. Um, And also know why you're doing it. Like what's your driver? What what makes this a really high priority for you? So uh, Damo, as always, uh, much wisdom shared by you. Yeah, well which, done, PC. Well we done, PC. Extremely grateful for. Yeah, well done, mate. And uh, you know, you really are shining light in this space. So thank you for um, sharing your wisdom and for writing books about it. You know, well done. <laughs> well done, PC. Your exceptional life. Well uh, you're very kind. Very kind. Well, Damo, as always, I've thoroughly enjoyed another conversation on the laws of wellness with you. Thank you, as always. And uh, I got a lot out of that conversation with you. There is never a time I don't learn something from you talking about any topic in relation to wellness. Uh, so interesting, PC. Uh, and it is a great topic, and I'm glad we covered it off. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, working great jobs and kind of just spend all their money. They might go buy a fast car or buy some really nice shoes. Um, and they do that repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly eat out for lunches and dinners and breakfasts and don't kind of plan their future. So just to think about those sorts of things and just put on the radar, I think it's really important. So thanks for uh, bringing that one up and um, what a great opportunity to share a little bit of wisdom. Yeah, absolutely, folks. There's plenty of resources uh, from this episode. Make sure you click on the links in the show notes. If you are determined to take your financial wellness to another level. As always, thank you to the team at Zaparis Lawyers. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Laws of Wellness. And until next time, may the rest of your life continue to be the best of your life. Bye for now.